57, you know? Yeah. Born in 85. What year were you 85. born? 85. You were born in... 85. Oh, yeah, we've had this conversation. 85, you're nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like How do you look so much younger and better than me? <laughs> what, what did you do? What kind of, and we both were abroad, too, which mm-hmm. definitely helps it's, it's keep the, you young. It's the mustache. Is it the mustache? Oh. It, the mustache makes him look younger? No, I think it's 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 sucking the life force out of the people he comes <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to Laughing Historically with Adam Latz, Adam Cooney, and Dr. History Scholar. <laughs> Welcome to the Laughing Historic Podcast. Historically. Uh, historically. <laughs> this is off to a great start. Uh, yeah. I'm wow. very professional. Yeah. I, I, I'm your host, Adam Lax. So on my right, we got Adam Coonan. What am I on? On my left, we nope, got... Nope, nope. <laughs> <laughs> I, t- I literally okay, told okay. you to cut, say this. Cut, No, cut. there's no cut. We're going to own this. <laughs> I told you to tell me this three minutes ago. What am I on? Drugs? One, two, two. <laughs> On the ones and twos. Thank you, Jesus Christ. Okay, what does a producer right, have guys, to do to get Welcome to here? the Laughing Historically <laughs> Podcast. I'm your host Adam Lax, and on my right we've got Adam Coonan. On the ones and twos, and on my left we got Doctor Michael Sage, Scholar History. Actually, I believe my name today is the third uh, of Michael Doctor Civic Sage Scholar. Oh, you know, just right, changing it up, Michael Doctor uh, Civic Sage the, Scholar, the fifteenth. No, this is just the first because I haven't used this one. You haven't shed that skin yet. Yeah, no, uh, I haven't. No. So I'm okay. Doctor, I'm Doctor Civics, uh, which is the. Have I ever told you where Doctor like Mister Civics came from? When I was teaching, I had a student who couldn't remember my name, <laughs> so yeah. she would refer to me as Mister Civics. Do her like, accent. Yeah, I don't know. I she didn't have an accent. All she right, just so couldn't yeah. like remember. Like she she told me once in class. That she referred to me to her friends as Mr. Civics. Okay. And it was one right. of the best days of my life. <laughs> I won't say specifically yep. what it is, but I, I I know you taught a lot of Hispanic kids. And you have a very German last I name. Do. And it has some characters in it that mm-hmm. don't exist in Spanish. Well, and I did notice. <laughs> so I, I, that was one of the things. Uh, I got called Smith a lot. Mm. And if, I, if they could get the, uh, my students, if they could get the sh part of my name. It would be Schmidt. Uh, so yeah. this is how I know my family arrived before Ellis Island. Oh. Uh, the, if, if my family had arrived at, during Ellis Island, I'd either be Smith or Schmidt. Oh. There's absolutely no way that Schmitz would have survived <laughs> that. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> uh, uh, Mr. Civics sounds like a contest. Uh, were you uh, a contestant? Uh, I won. You won. Six years in a row. You won. Mr. Uh, yeah, Civics? I, I don't know. If you're like, yeah, like, wow. like Mr. Universe, yeah. Mr. Yeah. Civics. <laughs> I tried to put that together like, in my head. Well, he, 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 he won Mr. Civics US, and now he's got to go to Mr. Civics uh, uh, China. China. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the leader? <laughs> Done. Boom. I win. My what is the greatest party of all time? The uh, communist party <laughs> of CCP. There ain't no party like the Chinese yeah. Communist Party. <laughs> Don't stop. <laughs> Who was the main character of Winnie the Pooh? Tigger. Yeah. <laughs> Although I don't know what Barry is talking about. So shall we... Yeah, and this day in history. Take so it away. this day is February 26th. And uh, so three facts today. First, on this day in 1603, Maria of Austria, the Holy Roman Empress, died. Uh, She was the empress consort and queen consort to Maximilian II, the Holy Roman Emperor and King of Bohemia and Hungary. She served as regent of Spain on two different occasions, and she is widely considered by historians to be the most powerful empress in the history of the Holy Roman Empire. Mm. Like, she did some legit heavy lifting on statecraft in the, uh, the late 1500s on a couple of occasions when her, I think she was married more than once when, or... When her husband or when her father, because her father was the king of Spain, um, uh, when her husband or father were out of the country basically doing something else, she ran the country and apparently did a really good job in in terms of being by the standards of a 16th century leader. By modern standards, Uh. you know, 
that's a horrible autocrat. Uh, but by the you know, she wasn't any better or, or she wasn't any worse than like Henry VIII or, you know, anything like that. And we consider him to be yeah. as, as administrator. What, pretty what's decent. it called? What's that sport called where you use shotguns and you like shoot th- skeet shooting? Yeah. Right. Like she was like, uh, we will no longer use peasants to skeet <laughs> shoot. You know, like she's enlightened. <laughs> she's an enlightened uh, yeah. person. Uh, she's the reigning champ of Miss Stagecraft or Statecraft. Yeah. Statecraft. <laughs> uh, <laughs> in, in 1775 the a british east india company factory on an island off the coast of, coast of borneo was burned by moro pirates oh. so some moro pirates came over and burned down an east india company factory so good for them yeah we love pirates yeah. on this show Isn't that I, right? I mean i'm it's gonna a pirate go, life for us i am gonna take it on a case by case basis <laughs> <laughs> you, mean, you mean the criminals you're gonna take the criminals on their case by case basis yeah actually well if disney taught me anything they're romantic yeah and, oh, and yeah. lovable and i mean i just know that like like in uh what was it the uh the south China Sea. Mm-hmm. There was like the like the most powerful pirate yeah. probably of all time was this like ex sex worker mm-hmm. really? female. Mm-hmm. Uh, really? uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she had like an armada, mm-hmm. right? Like she got to the point where she had like an actual like state fleet. level yeah. fleet, like that the OG had. girl boss. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the Chinese were like, "We are going to negotiate. We're <laughs> send you money." Or wow, whatever. and that's and, a big deal because the, they really did not respect women over there. Yeah, that was no, like no. that was like the as most opposed to Africa, thing. or yeah, Asia, yeah. Or Europe, <laughs> or South America, or North America. <laughs> you know, I'm, I guess most of the world, but like <laughs> it was especially patriarchal yeah. in uh, ancient China. I mean, well, they binded their feet, so there was that whole thing. Yeah. May abound. Uh, yeah. Thank you, yeah, Doctor Sage Scholar. Doctor Sage English Scholar. Sage English Mister <laughs> Civics. <laughs> the third. I don't know. I'm just titles beget titles. Uh, mm. And then finally, in 1992, Florence Lee Tim Oi died in Toronto, Canada. She was born in British-held Hong Kong, where she was the first woman ordained into the priesthood of the Anglican Communion on January 25th, 1944. Wow. She had served refugees of the Sino-Japanese War who had fled to Hong Kong, and after the Japanese invasion, all of the Anglican priests had fled abroad, and she was therefore given permission by the Anglican Bishop for China to celebrate communion. After the war, she endured persecution in mainland communist China before she was able to travel to Canada in 1983, and she is memorialized by both the Angl- by the Anglican Church, both in the United States and in Canada. So yeah, as a Catholic, are you like, oh, she found that one pretty unique path to hell? <laughs> no. <laughs> so you know, my my uh, I one you know I I like the Robin Williams joke that Anglicanism is uh, diet Catholicism or ca- Catholic light, same great religion, only half the guilt. Yeah, um, and twice and, the cancer. And uh, <laughs> I once I once went. <laughs> I once I've been to I've I've been to one Anglican service and it was really interesting because the the priest who is saying who is giving the service referred to himself in his in his sermon as an Anglo-Catholic. Mm. And I had to look that up afterwards cuz you know he was saying it as though it meant something and it didn't mean anything to me. And Anglo-Catholics are Anglicans who are basically the Catholic faith minus the Pope. Like they believe, isn't all that of, what Anglican Church is? But, basically, I mean, the thing is, is that the Anglican Church has evolved over. It started as that, uh, and, yeah. it, and it became so Henry VIII could get a divorce. Yeah, because mm-hmm. Henry VIII was actually a fairly devout Catholic, minus the divorce bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the Anglican Church became more Protestant, minus the lack of sperm. <laughs> probably a lack of sperm which uh but yeah so so you know the anglican the anglican uh, uh yeah i don't actually hate protestants i just like to make fun of them yeah yeah, yeah. uh yeah. they're right more often than not i just and that bothers me right huh. <laughs> wow i mean that luther was kind of an asshole yeah you know he, i he, read he really once. hated jews he did, he did. <sighs> and peasants and, and peasants yeah, and, he hated. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm, sorry. I'm, sorry. I'm sorry. I'm just kidding. So I'm just kidding. I, I will say one thing. I read once that uh, Martin Luther wrote like a whole thing about how he found like an imp and killed it. I don't know about that. Oh, it was it. Oh, I'll, you know what? 
listeners, I will look into this. I'll find the actual TPD. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll, I'll find the actual source. But he, I, he wrote something about like fairies and mm-hmm. imps and That's like right. made up bullshit. Yeah, right? Probably. So, yeah. Um, so what we are going to talk about today <gasps> oh, is Saint Olga of Kiev. Saint Have either of you Olga. heard Saints. of Saint Olga of Kiev? Quick, As quick Jew, note. I do not know mm-hmm. too much about the saints. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> We're like, you mean person of person? Person of place? Because that... Okay, I don't know. Quick thing. Uh, I hate to blow up your spot there, uh, professor, doctor, judge, stage scholar, but... Um, <laughs> He did ask us specifically not to make sex jokes <laughs> during this particular podcast. Oh, yeah. So, like, limit, Lex, them at least. yeah, let, let's limit the sex jokes, Lex. But I feel like keep if, it just heavy. Yeah, petting. It, <laughs> <laughs> Your jokes are limited at third base. Goddamn it! No, I'll tell you what. Let's do this. Every time you want to make a sex joke, but you think like, oh, I shouldn't make this sex joke. No, no, no. Just go. (laughs) (laughs) Just make a little. (laughs) All right. All right. We're going to do that. All right. right. Set the ground rules for this. Is that a good ground rule? (laughs) All right. So Olga of Kiev is a saint in the East Orthodox Church, Mm. uh, and she is venerated as the patron saint of widows and converts. That's her. That's she's widows and converts. Yes, yeah, so widows and converts to to Christianity, and this just is, Eastern Orthodox or everybody. I, I, I'm the Eastern Orthodox Church would say that she's the patron saint of con- converts to all Christianity, but ah. she's only venerated as a saint in the East Orthodox ah. Church. So, so she's not recognized by the Roman Church. Yeah, the, the Roman Catholic Church doesn't recognize her as a saint, but mm. and that's not mm. uncommon. Like for instance, the in. Tsar Nicholas II is now venerated as a saint in the East Orthodox Church. Is he Church. really? Yeah, he and his family, the Romanovs, are, are martyrs of the East Orthodox family. Oh. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Yeah. Why did that happen? In the 90s. In That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. That was going to be my guess, actually. Yep. Oh, was it 1991? So this is what we're going to talk about okay. today, is okay. Olga of Kiev, St. Olga of Kiev. Uh, and when studying medieval history, it is easy to buy into a kind of mental framework uh, that because it was a patriarchal and a misogynistic time, that women were relegated to only certain kinds of work, whether they were peasant-born or high aristocracy, that women's lives were circumscribed by their, quote, lords and husbands. Uh, the truth is somewhat more complex. Uh, there are a great many powerful women throughout the Middle Ages. This is not to say it was a great grand time to be a woman. It was not. Uh, but rather it's to say that we should guard against the overly simplistic notion of what the past was like. So in Anglo-French history... There's a whole slate of powerful women between 1066 and 1600. You have the Empress Matilda, Eleanor of Aquitaine, Isabella of France, known as the She-Wolf of France, because she ordered the murder of her husband, Edward II. And she peed on things to yeah, mark her yeah, territory. Yeah. Uh, did a she lot do of that? howling I, at the moon. I don't think quick, so. Quick question. Was, does that count as a sex joke? <laughs> I'm just trying to get the parameters. Trying to get the parameters. Uh, you have Margaret of Anjou. Uh, you have Queen Mary and you have Queen Elizabeth. And these are all prime examples of women reaching the apex of political power, wielding it effectively, and in most cases for long periods of time. And so the person we're talking about today, like I said, is Olga of Kiev. She was the grand princess of the Kievan Rus. Her life story is hard to pin down with exactness, being that she lived in what is now Ukraine in the 10th century. Uh, And most of what comes comes to us comes long after her death, Uh, and is embellished in the way that many medieval chronicles are. However, what we do know would make a great Quentin Tarantino revenge movie. Oh, okay. Part one. Tell us. Yeah, part one. So it's problematic to a certain degree. (laughs) And overly violent and have a very disappointing ending. Part one. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, we're not even doing history this one. If it's Quentin Tarantino, it's not even history. Wait, is there a scene where she gets choked... By an off-screen, all right. If anyone's seen Mm, *Inglorious Bastards*, the 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 German actress who gets choked to death. Mm-hmm. That scene was Quentin Tarantino's hand. That's weird. Yeah, yeah, because nobody thing. else could choke a bitch quite like he could. <laughs> He's a douche. Yeah, and anyway, moving on. He, like, censored himself in weird scenes in his movies. So, part one, the I'm age the of Vikings. Part one, the age of the Vikings. So the Kievan Rus, who are claimed as the ancestors of both modern Russia and modern Ukraine, are in fact a group of Vikings who had sailed down the Vistula, Bug, and Dnipro rivers from Sweden, Denmark, and Norway in the early 800s. As Vikings throughout this age where they were concerned with both plunder and trade. 
uh, that created a training post. Also that- feelings. No, not so much. They're from, they're from the Nordic states. They squish down their feelings with the big squish down. Are Vikings kind of considered pirates? Uh, yeah. The, they pirate us. They're pirate they, they adjacent. Had, they're pirate they adjacent. They had pirate agenda, mm-hmm. kind of. Yeah. But, but then they got legit, right? Yeah. They, 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 took, they, they plundered well enough and yeah. uh, became nobles. Well, yeah. the, the problem with calling the Vikings pirates is because like, the Vikings did pirate shit, mm-hmm. right? Like they, like, like they stole definitely, shit. yeah, they stole things, they raided, they whatever, but they, they had a base of operations that like traditional pirates never really had. Yeah. Like best case scenario, Caribbean pirates had, what was the island? Tortuga. Tortuga. No, I'm, I don't, I'm, I'm making that I know me too. <laughs> but yeah, they had an island somewhere. Yeah, in yeah, a yeah, deserted yeah. island. Yeah, or it would be like a particular like outpost or town someplace yeah. that would like deal with them being there but they never actually were like heads of state yeah whereas like vikings would be like no no he's the king we all have to do what the fuck he says and we're raiding you Mm -hmm. know what i mean so uh so they created the town that would become kiev uh as a trading post vikings created kiev Uh, originally originally 1200 years ago um and in the process they displaced the khazars which were the steppe people who had lived in that region for the past several centuries in 860 the mongols uh, right? yeah, sort of well, adjacent. They're, like, they're more like the Turks. They're more, yeah, they're sort of Turkic, uh, Hunnic kind of people. The, that's right. the and, that's the absolute problem. Yeah. with essentially anyone from like the Hungarian pla- like if you mm-hmm. lived in plains, mm-hmm. right, or like open country from the Hungarian plain all the way to like what is Vladivostok? Yeah, yeah, or the, even right. the north, the yeah. north of China. Yeah, right. It's like. There's what a, a hundred thousand ethnic groups that yeah. all like amalgamate in different, like different ways kinds of and, tribes. Yeah, and yeah, and they oh we're actually part of this mm-hmm. like confederacy, but yeah. not part of this confederacy. So like the Mongols are one of the only times that they actually Unified. all were like yeah no no, no yeah. we're we're yeah. one thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah. so they're they're they were a step people who had invaded a step uh, who had or migrated. It's a weird step sort person. of person. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and dubstep. So, and Dub- eight- they're a dubstep people. Yeah. They invaded, a- and you couldn't get <laughs> them out of your head. Why don't I do? Yeah, why don't I do downers and hallucinogens at the same time? <laughs> <laughs> and that'll be fun for me. For so, sounds like fun hours. A dubstep person. <laughs> <laughs> did they have funny hats and crazy accents? And Jesus Christ, they did. <laughs> <laughs> You're so right. Wow. We put a, we, we make connections on this podcast. We make history come alive <laughs> with so, the beat. So, uh, uh, Drop. Uh, <laughs> that's what the Vikings did. To rude them. boy. They did the Vikings. <laughs> the rude boy. <laughs> Lord rude boy. <laughs> so in 860, these Vikings attempted a surprise attack on Constantinople, which failed. Uh, But it did begin the process of the Vikings intertwining with both the Byzantine Empire, uh, the the Varangian Guard of the Eastern Roman Emperors, which is this elite bodyguard, were almost always made up entirely of Norse mercenaries, Mm -hmm. Um, and then with the Slavic groups of the Western Steppe, right? So because they failed to take Constantinople, they're kind of stuck. And so they begin interactions with the Eastern Roman Empire and with the, the Slavic ethnic groups that lived there yeah the kind of, yeah i mean the mm-hmm. the eastern orthodox were always just like listen 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 we have a big we have the big walls mm-hmm. you have the horses let's uh, do it together all right <laughs> are you italian <laughs> <laughs> i don't have a good greek accent all right i don't so being that this is an episode of that basically yeah. the eastern orthodox and the horse uh, step people, people had a big fat Greek wedding. <laughs> they, did. Uh, they had a big fat Greek wedding. Yeah. And it so was beautiful. Being that this is an episode about a saint, I feel it's important to quickly discuss how the Christian faith arrived in what is now Ukraine. So what would become the East Orthodox faith first arrived in Kiev around 874, following a bishop who had been, distap- di- been dispatched from Constantinople by way of Bulgaria. This is important for two reasons. First, it established the connection between the Kievan Rus and Constantinople. Wait, wait they wanted to go there and convert people. Yes. So he was setting up a missionary post. Yes. So okay. they so the, the patriarch in Constantinople dispatches this bishop. 
and go, comes by way of Bulgaria. Did, did they go door to door with ties? Probably. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> name tag. And, 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 and cut off white <laughs> yeah. button down yeah. shirts. Yeah. Not rolled up button down <laughs> shirts, short sleeve button down shirts. And they won't take no for an answer. Uh, <laughs> they won't, don't let them in. Don't let them in. So but them and vampires, you let them in and it's just over. It's just over for you. So first this connected uh, the Kievan Rus to Constantinople as opposed to Rome. Right, their their interactions with Christianity were through Constantinople instead of Rome. And second, since it came through Bulgaria, the Rus adopted a particularly Slavic version of Christianity, which helped them further assimilate the formerly Viking Rus into this more Slavic culture. By so, by more Slavic, Slav- what do you yeah, mean? What is Slavic? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just you mean, like, mean linguistically, linguistically, and 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 the other cultural aspects of it. I know nothing. All right, about all right. No, no, no. I like how you said other cultural aspects of it. What does that mean? I don't know. Violence. Is, <laughs> is I mean, these violence? are the Vodka. Vikings. Lots yeah, of the yeah, Vikings. Yeah, yeah. They're already pretty Vodka. Violent. No, but, but, but Christianity technically isn't, right? Like, yeah, so, but so like the Normans, the Normans are also Vikings yeah. who moved to Western Europe and uh-huh. adopted Christianity through Rome and became the shock troops of Western Christendom right. for 300 years. Like the most violent people you can imagine in Western Europe. So you would say... I wouldn't say, that, I wouldn't say that adopting well, French culture Romans? and adopting Bulgarian culture had exactly the same effect on the Vikings. Yeah, right. they, turned into, they turned into landlord mercenary knights who murdered everything. Plundered and raped, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. basically. Yeah, yeah. It didn't matter. But in the name of God, yeah. so it was yeah. cool. Yeah. 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 We have been looking for a pass for centuries. <laughs> And it finally just falls in our lap. Oh, my God. So initially, Christianity didn't stick. Uh, the first prince of Kiev, Oleg. Where they ex- were like, we're not opening the door. Yeah, um, they didn't. They didn't open it. So Oleg attempted another attack on Constantinople in 907, which failed. Uh, and Oleg dies in 912. And his son is named Igor. And he becomes prince of Kiev. And he marries Olga when she is no older than 15. Now, the thing is, is that Olga was born somewhere between 890 and 925, which is a really long yeah, yeah. thing. 30 years? Yeah. So, the, the, so the span at which she was yeah, born <laughs> is older than she is? Yeah. yeah. I so, mean, that, that was like the average lifespan so the problem, at that, at that and, time. And so the problem is, is that we have contradictory notions. What we basically what all of the all of the sources say that she was no older than fifteen when she got married, mm-hmm. but the sources disagree on when she was born. So working backward from other events, my opinion is that she was born in nine twenty five, because okay. based on the other events in her life, working backwards, if she's fifteen when she gets married, she had to have been born in 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 nine twenty five. Right, like that. Okay. But I want it, I want you to understand that there's ambiguity. That's the reason I brought it in. She I, could have been 22. She could have been seven. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that that, like, that that sounds like so. Uh, so yeah, dating underage. She could have been. You so know. so Olga and and 15 was actually the, the cutoff <laughs> back then. It's, so it's like it's different. It's different. You know, like, modern day Tennessee and <laughs> ancient medieval. Get that feeling. Say it. <laughs> 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 All right. So Olga and Igor have one son together. His name is uh, Sviatoslav, and we'll get to him later. Um, and Igor, in the manner of his father, also attempted sieges of Constantinople, which again failed. And this is why when we did the episode on the Third Crusade, it was such a big deal that the Crusaders took Constantinople twice in a year because Constantinople had been sieged like 700 i'm not joking it's in the hundreds really? of times yeah, yeah, yeah. before the crusaders finally took it and it never fallen um so thus it became uh, thus it was that igor began looking for easier targets for conquest and this re- this included a region west of modern kiev uh where there lived an ethnic group called the drevelians which means the dwellers in the forest and the Drevelians had violently opposed the rus and the so-called poliani which are the field people. so they wanted to convert the dwellers they- of the forest these none of these people are Christian yet. Okay. Like none of them are Christian, uh, but they fought a bunch of wars. He's basically I need to conquer someone. Constantinople is a really rich target, but it's too hard. So I'm going to conquer these people to the west of me. They're going to be a lot easier. The uh, actually I just googled this. The modern 
the modern word for Trevelyans or, or people of the forest is hippie. It's hippies. <laughs> it's the direct translation. They are descendants. Yeah, of, yeah, uh, yeah. I doubt they, the forest. Do going, they follow going. bands around their whole lives and sell t-shirts? No. And, they, and oh. healing crystals? <laughs> <laughs> for all the good it's going to do. That. So in nine, so they didn't make it. Huh? No. So in nine, if only the hippies go hacky the same sack, way. A lot of hacky sack plays. <laughs> the hacky sack hasn't prepared us for warfare at all. <laughs> <laughs> so, in 945, Igor, with his with an army, marched on the Drevelian capital of Iskoreston, which still exists in modern as the modern Ukrainian city of Korosten. So, there's a yeah. this city still exists it's like 45, 50 miles west of Kiev. Seeing the massive army, the Drevelians surrendered and offered tribute to Igor, which is pretty normal. However, on the march home, Igor decided that it wasn't enough tribute. And he turned back to exact wow. more. Now, in the words of one of my favorite comedians, Eddie Izzard, stupid man. But this time <laughs> with a much greedy. smaller force. So he goes back to ask for more, but with fewer soldiers. Smart. So Igor was captured by the Drevelians and killed in a most unique fashion. They bent down and tied to <laughs> they, the ground. They played a really long guitar solo <laughs> until he couldn't handle it anymore. And his head he exploded. might have preferred he, that. He, he, he begged for know. poison. He might, have, he might have asked for that. Based on what uh, Dr. Scholar just said, this is going to be a rough one. Let's, yeah. let's. So they tied, they, they bent, the Drevelians bent down and tied several birch trees to the ground. Huh. They then tied Igor's hands and feet to different trees oh, that they'd no, bent over. No. They then cut the restraints on those trees, <sighs> letting them right themselves, which then tore Igor in half. Oh. Now my wife my, quicker than I thought it would be. <laughs> my wife my wife edited this one. It's a very efficient death. She um, she edited this one and her comments when she was editing were Yikes. Yikes yikes. The image my imagination has conjured shall haunt me forever. Those were those were her notes in the margin for that mm. part. So I so, thought that's what our honeymoon was for. <laughs> <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> mm. It sounds like a very Looney Tune esque death. I'm sorry, yeah. that's, uh... <laughs> <laughs> what's the song? Do you remember the song? Which like, one? Beep beep. No, the Looney Tunes song. That, like. Oh, that's all, folks. That's all, folks. That's all, that's all folks. That's all, folks. Also, I have to say that's a very hippie way of killing someone. Like, we didn't kill him. The trees did. <laughs> <laughs> you can't Mother Earth forest Gaia killed yeah, him with Gaia her Nexus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so part two, Hell Hath No Fury. Uh, yeah. So oh, Olga's oh. son was three years old when his father was murdered. He was in no position to take the throne. Thus, Olga became princess and regent in 945. The Drevelians, seeing a woman on the throne and a toddler as the heir, decided work. to finally rid themselves of the Kievan Rus by forcing Olga to marry their ruler, Prince Mal. They sent 20 negotiators to compel Olga to do just that. <laughs> <laughs> they could send one negotiator with 20 arguments. That is said 20 negotiators like, all right, you handle the economics. You handle the politics. Well, they couldn't count past 75. That's true. They could not pass. They couldn't count past 75. So, so the so the envoys came by boat, most likely along the Dnipro River, and delivered the terms that Olga should marry Mal. Olga is said to have responded, quote, your proposal is pleasing to me. Indeed, my husband cannot rise again from the dead, but I desire to honor you tomorrow in the presence of my people. Return now to your boat and remain there in an aspect of arrogance. I shall send for you on the morrow, and you shall say, We shall not ride on horses nor go on foot. Carry us in our boat, and you shall be carried in your boat. End quote. This was acceptable to all the parties. She just wanted them to she carry them, them along yeah, in a boat. Yeah, she wanted her people to carry them from their boat on the Dnipro to the palace. So the next day, the people of Kiev carried the Drevelian boat through the streets to the palace. Once inside, the boat was tossed into a trench dug the night before, and the Drevelians were buried alive. Mm. As the dirt was being shoveled in, Olga is supposed to have said... Uh, supposed to Wait, have it was a trap? Yeah. Oh. And she, she leans down and, say, and is, supposed to have say, is supposed to have, quote, inquired whether they found the honor to their taste, end quote. She was just getting warmed up. God mic mic drop, right? That's like... <laughs> wow. Uh, yep. Fucking... And she's a saint? 
She's going to <laughs> wow, that's like the, the you know shooting in the back of the head, like yeah, yeah, double yeah. tap, yeah. like she's in, in the middle of a worse. desert, like, mm-hmm. like yeah. Like, oh, you worship trees? You're gonna be one. Yeah, <laughs> go back to your god now. <laughs> well, she's not. She's not Christian yet. Oh, yeah. she's still a pagan. She oh, she's con- a pagan. Yeah, she hasn't converted to Christianity. Oh, yet. okay. Olga so. next sent a message to the Devellians saying that they should send some nobles, some distinguished men, to Kiev so that she might quote get to know their prince with due honor. End quote. That is, she wanted to get to know hmm. Prince Mal before she from his friends so they could escort her back for their marriage. The Devellians, unaware of the fate of the first party oh. and believing that this message meant that their emissaries had been successful sent, quote, the best men who governed the land, their lands, end quote. When the nobles arrive, Olga offered them the use of a bathhouse, oh, given their long fun. journey. This is upon, like Red Wedding type shit. Uh, the... Upon entering, she ordered the doors to the bathhouse lit on fire, all Ooh. burned to death inside. Wow. Yep. She was still not done. Interestingly enough, uh, the bathhouse was built from the wood of the, <laughs> the, ship, of the ship that they buried. So. She's just into recycling, yeah. you guys. She's <laughs> recycling Trevelyans. Uh, Olga had not yet allowed... Wow, uh, this is the, a nice revenge flick. Yeah. I, I appreciate it's get, it. It's going to get better. It, it's, okay. it's saucy. Yeah. Uh, Olga had not yet allowed the news of the death of the first two groups to return to Iskoristan. And so under the continued cover that, yes, she did want to marry Prince Mal and submit the Kievan Rus to the Trevelyans, she asked them to prepare a funeral feast for her dear departed husband. Olga and a group of attendants uh, would ride out to the place where Igor had died, dine with the Trevelyans, and then proceed to marry Prince Mal. The Trevelyans got themselves drunk, and Olga ordered her retinue to massacre them. Wow. Apparently she went around, quote, Egging on her retinue to the massacre of the Drevelians, end quote. It is said that over 5,000 people were killed that night. Whoa. Olga this then is re- the yeah. Red Wedding. Yeah. It's Olga, his- Olga then returned to Kiev to finish off the Drevelians once and for all. Mm. She's still not done. Well, Damn. it's interesting, too, that this was the third time. Mm-hmm. This is the third time the Drevalians. Mm-hmm. It's very hippie of them. Mm-hmm. The third time. <laughs> just, the just the third not. time they had been invited. And they're like, Learn you know what we lesson. should do? Let's get fucked up. Let's get real <laughs> fucked up. We could trust them. They've already taken out all their wrath on our cousins or whatever. <laughs> so Olga, now dispensing with the pretense of the damsel in distress of the weak-willed woman, raised an army and marched on Iskoristan. Her the army, weak-willed woman? Yeah. I liked the alliteration. Uh, her army won the battles and took most of the settlements of the region, but they were forced to lay siege to Iskorestan. After a year in the field, Olga reverted to form. She sent a message to the defenders. Quote, Why do you persist in holding out? All of your cities have surrendered to me and submitted to tribute, so that the inhabitants now cultivate their fields and their lands in peace. But you would rather die of hunger without submitting tribute. End quote. The Trevelyans, wanting the war to be over, but finally beginning to understand the level to which they had angered Olga, wanted assurances that they would no longer be held responsible for her husband's death. If such assurances could be made, they would happily submit to tribute. Don't do it. Mm-mm. Never <laughs> No, <it>. no. <laughs> you run. <laughs> well, they're on <laughs> This bitch is going to annihilate if you. the movie, the very historically accurate movie of Troy taught me anything, yeah. is that every city's got an escape hatch. Yeah. Every ancient city's got one tunnel out to some fucking place. Uh, so they should have just done that. Why didn't they use their escape tunnel? I don't know. Okay. So uh, Olga responded that the slaughter committed heretofore was more than enough for her. The invasion of the Trevelyan land was a matter of policy. It wasn't personal. Spoiler alert, it was still personal. (laughs) All she asked in tribute from them was, quote, three pigeons and three sparrows from each house. The Trevelyans, overjoyed at such a cheap price for peace and apparently suffering from mass delusion about their ability to trust the Kievan Rus' princess, immediately agreed to the terms. Upon receiving the birds, Olga instructed her soldiers to tie burning pieces of sulfur to each one and release them that night. The birds immediately returned to their homes in in Iskoristan, and the city burned to the ground. One chronicler stated, Quote, there was not a house that was not consumed, and it was impossible to extinguish the flames because all of the houses caught fire at once. End quote. 
the people who escaped the city were either killed, enslaved, or forced to pay further tribute. Mm. So, she has now annihilated the Drevelians. Wow. Uh, that, that is some well, Cersei-type shit, man. Yeah, that, I mean, that's, uh, as a saint, if there's one thing <laughs> Jesus <laughs> loves, it's killing hippies. So. <laughs> he wasn't a hippie? Jesus wasn't a hippie? I mean, it depends on who you ask. Suppose, <laughs> but, uh, he he might have been a little bit of a hippie, but no crystals. You know, no, the Trevelyans are like, check out our crystals. Like, murder them all. Kill them all. Listen to this bootleg fish album. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you don't understand. This 45-minute solo is better than the 53-minute solo. It will change your life. Yeah, it will change life. this life, not the one you lived yeah. previously. Yeah, yeah. The wow. 15. Uh, part three. Rule and canonization. It is possible. hmm? No. It is possible and even likely that the story that I related in part two did not happen as such. It is probably true that she didn't bury people alive or use flaming pigeons to burn a city. However, it is beyond dispute that she crushed the Drevelians. They Mm. ceased to exist. The region was turned into an appanage of the Kievan Rus. An appanage is a. Appanage. It's an estate or title that is in perpetuity held by a royal house. Mm, so, wow. for instance, in... How often I would just like use to, that word? I would just <laughs> like to point <laughs> out a... that, that he said appanage, mm-hmm. looked directly at me in the eyes, and then did the definition of appanage. <laughs> <laughs> and I took it personally. Yeah, you, you, you don't know what an appanage is? I, did, I like... didn't. I did. Oh, you knew what an appanage oh, yeah, is? Yeah. Fuck you. <laughs> uh, I use that word every day. The, the, the duchies of Orléans and He's Burgundy. <laughs> It's like my hip hop name. (laughs) I own this shit in perpetuity for a royal house. I I run this game in perpetuity. (laughs) I'm only the younger member. (laughs) Like the the houses of York and Lancaster in England were appanages because they're always held by some member of the royal family. So wait, it's just land that people own forever. Yeah, but only members of the royal family get to own them, inherit them, like younger members. It's, it's, it's like essential- a jewel in the crown. Yeah, it's thing. like a, and it's really what it is, it's like a safety valve. So like Prince Harry doesn't have his appanage. Not anymore, anymore cause he, he, he gave it up. Yeah, he, he, he left, left it, it for mm-hmm. the riches of yeah. America. Um, but if he hadn't, he would have been, you know, Duke of Lancaster or whatever. So Olga never remarried. Um, and preserved power for her son, for her son, who would be remembered as Sviatoslav uh, the Brave. So her son gets that. Uh, How did he earn that title? Fighting a lot of wars. Yeah, there you go. Um, okay. She reformed the system of tribute. Uh, she thought to avoid what had happened to her husband. She didn't want to be murdered. I thought maybe he just earned it because he wasn't scared of spiders no. or something. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was the guy, the go-to for killed spiders. <laughs> a bunch of women started dancing on a table with their dresses up. Oh, a mouse! Oh, it's a mouse! And he, and he hit it with a broom, and they're like, you're brave! He's hey. <laughs> like, da. So uh, this is her reform of the tribute system is the first legal reform recorded in Eastern Europe. Uh, she resisted a siege. <laughs> reformed the tribute system. Wait, wait, wait. wait. So, the, the, you're saying you like s- half a pound of flesh instead of the whole pound? <laughs> no, he said this is the first political reform in Eastern Europe. In terms of like a state, like a, like an actual, like a way that we view states today. Right, I I don't know about. Uh, you so know. it was the first time in Eastern European history somebody was like, "We're doing this wrong. We should do it better." Yeah, but like oh, that territory, well, that what was it considered? Was it considered a kingdom or uh, that the they were they? I mean, they technically would have called themselves like a principality, right? They're the Grand Princes of Kiev, the Grand, uh, and princes. and again because they're the Kievan Rus, right? Both Russia and Ukraine view themselves as the descendants of oh, this group of people. Interesting. Which is why I keep calling them the Kievan Rus, because sometimes they're just mm-hmm. called the Rus, which implies that they're more Russian. Oh, uh, so Rus is the root of Russian. It is. Uh, uh, that's why I don't know that. anything about Eastern European yeah, history. No, and, you know, yeah, uh, but that basically, yeah, that's why I keep calling them the, I'm, I'm using the whole, yeah, the whole term. Trying to um, tread that line. 
And so she resisted a siege of Kiev in, eight, in 968 by the uh, Pechenegs, which were a nomadic, a semi-nomadic Turkic people from Central Asia, who were, had been bribed by the Byzantine Empire to attack Ukraine instead of the Byzantine Empire. Mm. Like they'd been going for the, uh, the, the Eastern Roman Empire, and they're like, here, here's a bunch of money. Go attack them instead. Um, in 959... I feel like the Eastern... Mm-hmm. The, the, the Byzantine Empire was like... A good modern equivalent is like the U.S. banking system. It's like everybody knows that if we just go after the banking system, it'll be better for everyone, and that's where all the real like money and corruption is at. But mm-hmm. every time they go up against it, they're like, God damn it, these walls are, t- are mm-hmm. real tall. Let's go after drug dealers. Let's go after drug dealers. They have less walls. <laughs> we low-hanging fruit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We might actually be able to breach their perimeter. Mm-hmm. J.P. Morgan? Yeah. Not so much. <laughs> what, what, what was the state of the Byzantine Empire at that time? Uh, at this was time, it? it's pretty. It's, it's pretty, still pretty big. Um, the, sort of what's considered the beginning of the end. Uh, it's hard to say that a 350 year lag time is beginning of the end. Right, right. But the Battle of Manzikert, which occurs in 1071, is sort of considered the beginning of the decline of the of the Byzantine Empire. They're defeated by the Turks. Oh, it's a uh, fight of the Turks, and they and they lose basically all of what is modern Turkey. But then you have what's called the Kaminian uh, Kaminian Restoration. There's a essentially a military coup in Constantinople. This general takes over uh, Alexius Cominius, and he and his like son and grandson and great grandson sort of rebuild the empire a bit but it it never really fully recovers but in the 900s they're still they still own they're most still of relevant they're still they, yeah they still own most of what is modern powerful. turkey and they still own most of what is the modern balkans oh, yeah. um they've okay. lost a lot because they're no longer in italy they're no longer in north africa they're no longer in the middle east like Palestine, syria oh, yeah man. they're they're contracting but they're still very powerful and they have tons of cash like this is not this is very normal operating procedure but they're uh, making that spice money? Yeah, that, they've like got a... lots of trade. Constantinople is where everything goes through. Mm-hmm. And so they've got tons of money, and they'll just throw money at the problem. The merchant money. Yeah. Do you remember the, the founding of Constantinople, the, the like myth of it? No. They said that, I think it was, I mean, Constantine, or maybe it was... Well, someone... it was called Byzantium first, and they renamed it Constantinople when Constantine divides oh, the Oh, okay, okay. So I remember when they founded the city, it was like the person who wanted to go found a city in the area. Mm-hmm. There was like a prophecy or an oracle, right? Because mm-hmm. it was back when there were oracles. And it said, look for the city, like, pl- like place your city across the water from the city of the blind, mm-hmm. right? And so they went to where Byzantine is, and on one side of the strait, it was like this terrible, flat, undefensible, shitty-ass place to put a city. Mm-hmm. And there's a big-ass trading city there. Mm-hmm. And then on the other side, there was like, oh, wow, all these natural features that would make for like amazing defense. defense and yeah. like the kind of city that, I don't know, could Withstand fight off. 700 uh, sieges. Yeah, 700 <laughs> sieges. And I think the person was basically like, oh... They founded their city there like a bunch of fucking idiots. They must be blind, and yeah. that was like the yeah. kind of the mythology of it. I and they yeah, were I actually mean, blind. No, maybe. Uh, maybe. So, so in 959, Olga made a pilgrimage to Constantinople and converted to Christianity. Uh, the first, and she's why? The, why is that? Well, we're going to get to that. Right. So she is the first Kievan Rus leader to do so. Now, it's possible that she converted out of genuine belief. Like there's, Power. there's always a, there's always a, um. There's always there's always a tendency to view anyone any major historical figure's conversion to a new faith through a very cynical lens, um, and there are lots of examples of leaders very cynically converting. Uh, yeah. But then you also have examples of leaders converting. Like there's a there's a I forget his name, but there's a German prince uh, who converted to Protestantism and then lost in the Thirty Years' War. Like he's defeated, and the Holy Roman Emperor says to him, he's like, if you renounce Protestantism and convert back to Catholicism, I will restore your principality. Like, I will not dispossess you. You will still be this fabulously wealthy, extremely powerful individual in the world. And he doesn't, right? He he chose his faith mm. over that power. Now, lots of Northern German princes converted to Protestantism because it gave them a stick to beat the Holy Roman Empire with, mm-hmm. right? So there are lots of cynical reasons, but it seems like a pretty... You know, like he genuinely converted because he b- 
believed in the theology. So it, it seems like almost every ideology. Oh, yeah. I mean, you could say the same thing about the Nazis. You mm-hmm. could say the same yeah. thing about the first, like, probably 20 years there's of the Soviet Union. Yeah. yeah the, those, so like, what was the, people. in the Soviet Union, they called it careerism. Yeah. Right? Like, there's all these people who are entering the Soviet bureaucracy mm-hmm. that don't actually believe in, yeah. like, in Marxism or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And why? Because they want to have a career. Yeah. Right? They want to, well, like, be well. And, and, and there's also, you know, stuff can be two things. Right. You, mm-hmm. It can be you you get to convert to this religion and you think that it's a good idea and it also happens to benefit you politically. But any, either way, regardless of it, she um, another reason might have been to maintain political independence because mm-hmm. um, the Byzantine emperor, mm-hmm. Constantine the seventh, became her godfather. He was her sponsor for her baptism. And according to one chronicler, quote, after her baptism, the emperor summoned Olga and made it known to her that he wished to become, wished her to become his wife. Mm. But she replied, wait, wait the godfather <laughs> wanted yeah, to marry what's the her? Sound, what's the sound we're supposed to make? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the, I'm pretty sure this is a category on a lot of websites. <laughs> <laughs> Is that okay, Michael? Did I go too in, far? in a hypothetical scenario where there might be some kind of activity happening? Yeah, he uh, was like, "No, don't worry, I'm just your step godfather." <laughs> she responded. <laughs> it sounds like we're constipated. <laughs> we are, like, we just, are, I cannot we're, get it out. We're, uh, we're comedy constipated. Yeah, 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 yeah. okay. So he, he comes to her and says that he, want, he wished her to become his wife. But she replied, how can you marry me after yourself baptizing me and calling me your daughter? For among Christians, that is a men, lawful... Men. Sorry, men. <laughs> well, yeah. no, but that's the thing. So I'll, I'll explain this. So he, he, she goes, for among Christians, that is unlawful, as you yourself must know. Then the emperor said... So at the time it was. At the emperor <laughs> said... No, I'm not, just, let me, I'll explain it. I need it. I'll explain it all in just a moment. <laughs> I just want you to call me daddy. <laughs> <laughs> so she responds this way this episode might have gone better had you not given us the word <laughs> I don't know I just can't win mm, alright so the emperor responded we're doing our best guys. we're really trying listeners <laughs> please no Olga we're you have outwitted me right he responds oh. Olga you have outwitted me and he gave her many gifts of gold silver silks and various vases and dismissed her calling her his daughter. So the, the thing is, is at the time, so this isn't necessarily, basically she knew, the, the way that this story is is being told is that she knew that he wanted to marry her, uh, to like bring the Kievan Rus into the Byzantine uh, Empire. Interesting. So she goes, if she goes, I want to convert to Christianity and I would like you to be my godfather, knowing that once that happens, they can't get married. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's not that bright, and so mm. he does it. And so now, again, this story, uh, like the story of the Trevelyans, might be made up. Like she's statecrafted. Yeah, this but is it, all. but it does speak to her political wit. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Like regardless of whether or not the actual inter- inter- interplay of like, oh, Olga, you outwitted me. At the very minimum, well, there's that some- was like a plan, seemingly, of the Byzantine emperor. There's something to be said. Like if you're looking at like politics. Mm-hmm. Almost anywhere mm-hmm. from I don't know four hundred mm-hmm. to the four hundred eighty yeah. to sixteen hundred, mm-hmm. right? If you're a woman mm-hmm. in power and you yeah. stay in power, mm-hmm. you're already Single. a genius, yeah. right? Like just the fact that you were able to keep power, balance the like groups that would be against <clears throat> you versus mm-hmm. with you, and how and why. Mm-hmm. I mean, Catherine the Great, uh, Elizabeth, like mm-hmm. they all. The same kind of thing. You had to like play this sort of 3D chess game with all yep. of the powers that be. And, e- and especially if just... around marriage politics. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, you had to stay single most of the time. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, I mean, Elizabeth apparently, uh, Elizabeth I would, would, she apparently was in love with, with this guy named, um, his last name is Dudley, and I can't remember if his first name's Robert, but apparently she would like flirt with the idea that she was going to eventually marry him. And apparently one of the things she would do is in front of her council, she would write up an order that would have made Dudley an earl. Mm. And if, if he's an earl, then like 
there he's close enough in station to her that she can actually marry him and then she would rip it up in front of her counsel to be like nah just kidding not gonna marry him <laughs> uh you know and and it's very different than like for instance she spends years locked in a struggle with mary queen of scots mm-hmm. um and mary queen of scots did get married and her husband was a horrible, incompetent, abusive drunk, right? And, like, she ends up losing her kingdom, right? And eventually Elizabeth orders her execution, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's a whole thing. Um, and you, her, you, her husband was a horrible drunk. Uh, Mary, Queen of Scots, yeah. yeah. Uh, and he, he was Scottish. A, he was a Scottish earl. And uh, there's a really good documentary series called The History of Britain. And there's this... She Apparently, he was a very um, charming, handsome man. Uh, and she marries him, and and the narrator goes. She then found out, and he also had Stuart, uh, or he also had uh, Tudor blood. In oh, him. sure, sure. Uh, mm-hmm. This this Scottish nobleman, and so this would give her some claim to the English yeah. throne, legitimacy. Yeah, some legitimacy to the English throne once because the Scottish throne is separate at the time, and so there's some Tudor blood in his veins. And the narrator goes, she also found a whole bunch of whiskey flow through those veins. Uh, he was not, he was, he was a pretty terrible it's person. Single malt. Single malt. Uh, he, his assassination. Not reflective of the Scottish His people. assassination is actually really funny. They were going to blow up his palate, like his estate. Uh, and he hears the fuse and he has himself lowered out of a window, like from the second floor on a chair. He gets in a chair, it's like tied up, and they lower him out. And the plotters are like, God damn it, he's going to escape. So they just stab him a whole bunch on like the front lawn. Like nice. they were going to blow up the house. And they're like, yeah, this is just easier. Just, yeah, um, let me keep it simple, stupid. So Olga, <laughs> yeah. so Olga returns. Somebody brought a bomb to a knife fight. Uh, so Olga returns to Kiev and attempts to convert uh, her people to Christianity. In this, she's only moderately successful. Her son Sviatoslav refused to convert, uh, believing that he would be mocked by his supporters for converting to, quote, a foolish faith. What? So they were pagan, but was there anything I, more? About I don't their... know. It's, yeah. it's so tricky. I've actually, yeah. I've, yeah. I've read some stuff and, and listened to some podcasts about this. It's really tricky. If you take, like, essentially Belgium mm-hmm. and go, like, like like paint a brush across northern and then down through eastern europe when you're looking at like the conversion rates into christianity during this time mm-hmm. there's so many fucking religions like there's so many Ooh, different like, like, like we believe in this spirit yeah, we believe uh, in that and we be, like it's it and nobody gave a shit well, the right other, nobody wrote that down well, yeah, monks yeah, weren't yeah, ever yeah. just like yeah. oh let me write down the pantheon right, there's no the like formal no one rituals gives a shit. well and the other the other problem is is that christianity was extremely effective in extirpating all of this stuff. And so, oh, right. for instance, they, like, they absorb stuff in yeah. the fold. And so, what. The Thank prop- you for not saying extirpating and then looking me directly <laughs> in the eyes. Can you tell me what that means? Just eliminating it entirely, right? But, like, they, they got rid of like, oh, every sure. vestige of, huh. of most of these. Well, states. I thought they absorb a lot of stuff. Well, I mean, they would do things like, like you know, I mean, Christmas, the, isn't uh, like, the whole saint practice kind mm-hmm. of a a pagan, no. a pagan origins? No, no. Not, I mean, you you do have some things like Easter and and Christmas are happen to be, uh, you know, the Christian, the Catholic Church put them near pagan holidays to yeah. sort of displace them. And, and and sainthood comes from early Christianity yeah. martyrdom, yeah. basically. Most of your early saints, saints are in martyrs. Christianity are like, we're burned at the stake yeah. or crucified or, or whatever by the Romans. Fed by lions, eaten yeah. by lions or whatever. Yeah. But the point being that like, what we know about, what we know, I'm putting that in air quotes, what we know about, you know, Norse mythology, right, with Thor and Odin and stuff, all of that stuff is written down by Christian monks mm. in the 13th century after all of these places have been Christian for like three or 400 years, mm. right? So the idea that any of that stuff is is accurate and then all of it's being reflected through the prism of Christianity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you even get this with the Romans. Like when you read, if you ever read, you know, because I use my time wisely, uh, <laughs> if you ever read Caesar's commentaries, He's referring to the fact that like the, the the Gauls, like a group of Gauls were praying to Jupiter. And it's like, no, they weren't. They were praying to their head god, but you know, Caesar was too lazy to figure out that <laughs> yeah. name. So he's like, they're trying praying to Jupiter. It's the so head if, god. If they call it a head god, <laughs> yeah, and our head god is Jupiter, Jupiter. <laughs> ergo. Yeah, Latin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. But the, so so the point being that like I don't know what the Kievan Rus is religion was it just wasn't christian um but Sviatoslav the brave doesn't convert 
Um, however, her grandson, Sviatoslav's son, is Vladimir the Great. He would formally convert the entirety of the Kievan Rus to Christianity in 988. However, Olga would never see this. She dies on July 11th, 969. Sviatoslav respected her dying wishes and buried her in a Christian ceremony. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Uh, Audience, you can't hear hear how hard I rolled my eyes. Bro, I, had um, to be I feel like I'm feel like I'm back teaching eighth graders. <laughs> the number of times I rounded percentages. How, how hard? Oh, really? <laughs> You're like seventy yeah. percent, Mr. Schmidt. A lot of things are seventy percent of the time. More than should be. More than should be mathematics. Or, or you know, events that occurred around uh, occurred in 1969 suddenly occurred around 1970. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry, sorry, sorry. How hard did you laugh? And you said Kuna was number two. <laughs> 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 the audience just listening I'm staring down at my feet and I'm feeling good about myself right now uh, so, 69 <laughs> right, <I'm done>. um, <laughs> so in the 16th century the East Orthodox faith uh, canonized Olga so in the 1500s and in fact the East Orthodox faith has a re- I, did, I found this out researching this because I knew she was a saint when I went in, uh, but the Eastern Orthodox faith has a title for saints uh, that the Catholic Church doesn't, which is equal to the apostles. So if a saint is given the title equal to the apostles, they are equal to, in the eyes of the church, to Peter, St. Peter, the rock upon which Jesus built his church, and, you know, the men who wrote the Gospels, right? So she, St. Olga of Kiev, holds the title equal to the apostles. So other people in the East Orthodox faith who hold this title are Mary Magdalene, who washed the feet of Jesus, the Samaritan woman at the well, who gave Jesus Jesus a drink of water. The emperor Constantine is equal to the apostles within the East Orthodox faith. Oh, that's interesting, being that he killed all of his children. Didn't he kill Constantine? He killed all his children? No, because his sons inherited the empire. Did his son? Because I thought he. It wasn't a grandson? Because I thought he killed his wife and his daughters. Like he murdered a bunch of his own, like, nuclear family. I have no idea about that. I All really right. don't know. I just know that he converted to Christianity. Listeners, listeners, this is laughing historically. Like and subscribe and leave comments. Tell me I'm an idiot in the <laughs> comments. That's fine. For all uh, your hate mail to uh, Adam Kuhn. <laughs> uh, and her own grandson, though, Vladimir the Great, uh, is also referred to as equal is a saint and is referred to as the equal to the apostles for converting the Kievan Rus. Uh, so yeah. So like I said, she's the patron saint of widows and converts. Wait, so she Is that because of how many widows she made? Because <laughs> <laughs> she well, made, made a lot. Yeah. Wait, yeah. so she became a saint mm-hmm. because her descendants converted the whole area. Well she to began the process. She began, began the because she Soften the ground, yeah, with they, a lot of blood. body burning, but, uh, yeah, with a lot of rebellion. <laughs> she did. It, it pays to murder, yeah, uh, sometimes. I, I mean, you sometimes, know. most of the time. You know. so, yeah, no, I mean, she she is a saint because I, I would I would argue because you know her son doesn't convert, uh, her son doesn't want to, but if without her conversion, it's highly doubtful that you know her grandson converts, and if her grandson doesn't convert. Um, and, she, you know, we were talking about, you know, a woman in power in the 10th century doesn't have the same level of influence. It's interesting. She converts to Christianity. She isn't able to, like, force the state to convert. But her grandson mm. converts and is able to force the conversion of the yeah. rest of the state. Uh, but that doesn't she, that doesn't happen if she doesn't get the ball rolling, so to speak. Um, but, yeah. You know. So she's seen fondly. She's yeah, she's venerated by... as a saint mm. in the Eastern Orthodox Church, and one that is equal Just because to the of apostles. Conversion. Okay, yeah, for yeah. widows and converts and converts. But she didn't yeah. like. It's just about conversion. Yeah, but she's also was widowed in a horrible way. Right, right. her husband was murdered pretty brutally, mm. Uh, mm. and then she went on a ramp by hippies. Yeah, by yeah, hippies. he was killed by the trees. Death by hippie is yeah. a pretty brutal way to go. <laughs> Not one you want in your epitaph. No, that's for sure. <laughs> it's like, I was choked by a fish with a pH. <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, is the I mean, house. We I'm will, forced, will rip you in forced to stay up all night listening to a fish concert. <laughs> I, you know, I died because someone told me on my own property, like, dude, you can't actually own property. And they just <laughs> talked me to death. And then they told me that these crystals would, you know, cure my asthma. Mm-hmm. You know, did some, it? Something, something, Jerry Garcia. <laughs> something, something, Jerry. <laughs> something, Jerry man. something, something. Bob Marley was right about everything. Bob Mar- <laughs> something, something. LSD. Yeah, yeah. something, something. Roll well, it. then more. That's more LSD. Something, something, something. <laughs> Let's go back opposite. into the forest. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, man, look at those boughs. You could straight up murder a guy into five pieces with those three boughs. Damn, bro, that's Dude, that, deep. That was a drug-inspired murder. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to file that in the back of my mind, and it's going to come in real handy one of these days. Dude, has anyone seen my horse? <laughs> no, not a good joke. Oh, is that a dude where's my that, car? Was that, ha- was, that was hacky, wasn't it? Uh, mm. <laughs> <laughs> this is vengeance for <laughs> Apanage. <laughs> 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 All right, guys. Uh, is that it for this yeah, one? Yeah, yeah. I guess. Yeah, I guess it's been our show. Laughing historically. Please, please follow us on uh, Instagram. Or Twitter, laughing hist, and also direct hate mail to Adam Coonan. Yeah. Uh, uh, sorry, just to be clear, uh, my <laughs> my email is spelled T U C K E R C A R L O S O N at Fox at Fox News They said that if you want to get a hold of Adam J Coonan, he really struggled over spelling that. Yeah, yeah, go on to Truth Social. Yeah, go on to Truth Social. I cannot, I can't fucking spell Tucker Carlson's name. I don't give a shit. At Truth Social. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Please send me complimentary bow ties. Those are hard to tie. Those are hard to tie? Yeah. Well, Tucker Carlson just has his child slaves do it for him. I'm sure he does. They've got those tiny little fingers that tie a bow tie tightly. All right, Tucker Carlson's the devil. (laughs) And And, like and subscribe. Yeah, like and subscribe. And if you have any other creative deaths that hippies might be into, let us know. (laughs) (laughs) We'll research them. Yeah, yeah, let us know. Uh, You know, fact check us. We'll do a a future episode on hippie deaths. Hippie murder? Hippie murder? No Charles Manson, though. Come on. Still on the nose. Uh, That would be, I'd, I'd love to talk about Manson. That'd be cool. Why? Because you kind of look a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) And that's our show. And that's our show. Thank you so much.